Today, we're going to be talking about writing, personal writing, writing a book, short story, whatever it may be. But we're going to be talking about the methodologies of writing. We're going to be talking about how you get it done, what, what, what gets you through it, what, what ideas, how, what's your inspirations, what's your methodology, your pipeline, just all the nitty gritty things about writing. Um, and I want the listeners to get nice and cozy. I want to, I want you to feel like you're in a 1980s, uh, kind of a off walnut brown wood paneling walls with some green short carpet. And, uh, it smells like a thrift store and you're about to play the NES for the first time. I want you to feel like that. I want you to relax and, uh, and we're just going to talk about writing Clark is going to be uh, joining us, and also Megan. Um, uh, but I understand that uh, Clark has been writing for quite a while, and I've got something I'm I'm brewing up. So we decided, you know, we're going to talk about writing today. Right, right, yeah. Because uh, as we had spoke before, there's no there's no one real correct way to actually approach writing. Everybody does it different. It's not like a you know, it's not like sports, like I said, sports science kind of thing where it's like generally like everybody has their own style. But at the end of the day, you're either doing something correct to get results or you're not doing something correct. Like writing can be very strange because there's people who can write sober. There's people that can have to write under the influence of something, whatever their substance of choice is. Uh, maybe that same writer can do one or both and get vastly different results so it's a uh, you know it's kind of fascinating to just when we start talking about projects we're working on and things we're doing that sometimes we can take vastly different approaches or you know and depending on genre maybe i attack something different because um you know it's something i'm uncomfortable writing therefore i have to you know maybe bring a little more of myself out into it or uh you know or if it's something that actually is so natural to you, you can just kind of spill it on the paper and it just comes out gold every time. So yeah, there's way different ways uh, to approach writing. And I think that's what we're going to try to kind of back and forth, ping pong some questions here. Maybe Meg can be the the mediator and maybe bring some ideas that we can kind of, you know, kind of maybe enlighten each other on. For me, um, I lack confidence writing. Um, my job has helped me kind of be a little bit more creative with my writing, but I mean, it's, it's work stuff. So it's not the same to me. Um, but, uh, I know for me personally, writing has always been a struggle. Um, I just feel a lot of pressure in front of pen and paper, or if you use a laptop or a typewriter, I don't know. I have, like, I'm able to form thoughts, like, when I'm just having casual conversations, but I just can't get them on paper. Uh, so that that's a struggle I have, and um, I would like to hear some of your, uh, what, how you approach it. Well, you want to go first, Clark? Uh, yeah, I'll throw a couple things out there. Um, for me, and this might help some people out there. Uh, as far as like having ideas, 
out in the wild when you don't have maybe access to a laptop just to flip it open. Um, I always have notebooks with me, no matter what job I have worked in the past, which was my nine to five. I always had, you know, notebooks with me and things like that. Even when I was in a band traveling around, you know, obviously I was working on lyrics and things like that and music, but I was always still like, oh, I come up with some kind of story idea. So um, I used to do an interesting thing where I would have a story and I knew where I wanted it to go. And so what I would do is I would, I would write blurbs. I would almost have the chapters already laid out in my head. Like I've been like, okay, I know it starts here. I know I want it to get here. I know these are some high points I want. So I can chapter them out. And that's very counteractive to like a lot of writers who don't like that approach at all. They want you to just tell the story. They say, just write it, write it, write it, write it. And then you can go back and edit. Um, I'm very particular sometimes where I know where I want some of my uh, important beats to hit. So much like songwriting, I, I know where I want something impactful to be. So I go ahead and think about, okay, this far in, I want this to happen because I know this is going to be impactful of the story. This is going to be my resolution to that. This is going to be a conclusion to that. So, uh, you know, that's kind of how I do stuff sometimes. So I will actually have, um, and I still keep every notebook I've ever had. Um, I'll usually come up with something that I really like, like a, whether it be a paragraph, just a couple sentences, paragraph, a line even sometimes that I really, really like. And I'll just have them kind of lined up and I know where they fit in the story. And then I do the hard out, like pounding out the writing, doing the actual fluff, doing the descriptions, doing all the, you know, this is how you fill out a novel kind of stuff. Um, and that's just something I've always kind of approached and done. And I still do that to this day, whether it be um, a screenplay or a novella or a short story, whatever it is, I know where I want the beats to be. And I kind of write around the beats. So very different than okay. a lot of writers. A question. So like the way I understand what you're saying is get your core beat by beat of like kind of story chunks. And then when you, when you say like you flesh them out, is it like you're, you're getting those in order and then fleshing out from each one and, and establishing a, like a flow, a connection to each paragraph? Yes, but also I don't, I don't want to limit myself. So I don't put a word limit or, or like a time frame on that. So if I, if it takes me, if it takes me 20,000 words to get from, oh, this to this, and then it only takes me 1,500 words to get to the next beat or, you know, I don't, I don't want to limit myself to actually, like, what it takes to, I don't want to compromise the story for the sake of having a cool line. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's just kind of the thing. It's just something that I keep, I keep in the back of my head and I let this, like, I'll be like, okay, this is exactly how I want it to start. And I know I want it to get to this point. And then I'll just write and write and write and write. And then one day it maybe clicks and I'm like, holy shit, I'm there. I'm there. I'm finally there. And then I can drop that line and I feel very successful and I feel very rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, with the way you put that, that reminds me of how really good directors direct. Like the, if you'll notice that in some movies, like really top tier movies, sometimes the continuity is off. And I've heard a lot of them talk about how they will sacrifice that continuity for the flow of the story, or if if that scene worked better 
uh, for the overall story and flow of the of the piece or that section rather than a continuity issue it kind of what you're talking about kind of reminds me of that they'll sacrifice um that for a higher to make sure that the over overarching flow is is right um but I, yeah, go ahead i have a friend who um is a writer she's uh written quite a bit a lot of fan fiction um and she has published now four novels she participates in um Nano Remo, like the entire month of November, you write uh, I can't remember if it's fifty thousand word novella or novel or something. I can't remember what the exact number of word number is uh, or word count, but um, she will write down in just like spiral notebooks a uh, scene or like a, ch- a a paragraph, just this particular scene um when she has it, and I guess she'll do the same kind of thing where in, in a similar way where she'll piece together the rest of the story with that particular moment um i'm not totally sure though i haven't asked her about her writing theory but i know she writes down uh moments scenes in important things that are happening um and sounds like you kind of create a skeleton of your story away mm-hmm. and then go from there but both of you just mentioned novella i'm unfamiliar with that term what is that novella huh? it's like a, it like a short yeah. novel I think it yeah. is a short novel. It really is, yeah, word limited novel, basically. So if you have a novel oh. and you think your average novel is um, between eighty and a hundred thousand words, a novella is going to be like, you know, fifty and less. It's going to be oh. something you can. Oh, weird. Digest- yeah, short. I guess you can call it novel. digestible novels. Yeah. So the, my current issue right now is um, the the story I'm working on. It's a really big story. But um, the way I write, it's really concise. But the other problem I have is the way I'm writing the book, I want there to be gaps in details for the reader to fill in uh, with their mind's eye what's the what what's going on, how, how this went to that. So I'm intentionally writing kind of low resolution at, so that there's more user in, or reader input. Um, and and I and and the other problem I have is I cut a lot. Like there was, especially when I do videos, um, I'll have like a long narration and, or like a, a document that was uncovered that was once in the book, and then I have completely taken it out because I'm like anyone that is reading this already knows this, and it feels like I'm the keeping that document in there is fluff. And and so I'm stripping it down to where uh, there's more mind eye in the in the reader. And uh, I don't know, I, that's what I'm struggling with. But I, but I also have this thing where I've mentioned it to you before, I'm trying to just push it out the door, because I could cobble this thing forever. Um, but my writing style is is kind of like what you were talking about, I will have like the the original, this story started like uh over a decade ago and 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 then it was paused and then it was restarted then it was paused and there it's it's a lot of different things that were written and then uh, like homogenized and and connected and then edited and stripped down and then reworked to where it's one story like um to where it's kind of a web of 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 all of these characters in, in one universe. And, um, 
so i i guess what i do is i'll punch out i like first off i'll have i have my um google documents app and i'm a way faster typer with my thumbs than i will ever be on a keyboard so i will just punch out like all whatever it is and then i will go into my master document on basically a word document on my computer and open up because since my phone since google docs is on my phone and on my computer i just copy and paste in sections and then i go back print it out and then you know circle highlight uh remove just it tons and tons of edits and then do all those edits in the word processor and then print out the new one and then just continually refine it that way um that's my whole thing. The, my happiest moment writing was, um, I'll just say it was on the orbital platform. That's all I'm going to say right now. It was on the AC orbital platform. I, uh, I was going through all these methods. I was, I was reading and listening to all these different interviews and stuff on different writers and their process. And, um, one of the things I heard uh, one person where they tried to increase endorphins and, and different things, they would go on a jog first and then smoke a joint and then write. Um, then uh, I also heard how uh, Quentin Tarantino finally sat down and wrote the book uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because that's a, one of my favorite movies of his. And um, but he it's in it's novelized. It's a novel. And um he used to kind of pitter patter at it. And then he said that he eventually started clocking in like it was a job. Uh, like he, like he would wake up, get his coffee. And then it was like 10 AM time to write until like whenever. So there was all these different kind of ideas floating in my head, but the, 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 the best moment of like, of like where the story got it's like, uh, overarching connection that rippled through the entire book. I, uh, I took a higher on the higher edge of what my microdoses of mushrooms, like, like where your vision is about to vibrate, but it doesn't like you're about there. Um, I did a workout and then I, I like depriving myself of of things like um i uh, i i have a high tolerance for caffeine and nicotine and i uh i get in this weird loopy headspace when i'm um when i'm away from those things for a while and then you do the workout and you're on a microdose and then you finally partake of those abstain you to stayed away from those substances and then you have this absolute roller coaster mentally and um uh, uh, basically induced autism. And then I'm just pacing around the house on typing away. And it, it finally melded on the, uh, the, the, the bureaucrat turned wise man on the AC orbital platform. I, hopefully people will know what that means in the future, but, uh, that is where everything hit just right. And what you were talking about that, um, that, sense of like whoa, like just utter pride and satisfaction that was that was my that was my main moment for that story and i like that you brought up um i like that you brought up deprivation there too because that's that's a thing that i do a lot like uh physical deprivation to induce creativity 
Like yeah. I do better if I'm kind of cold or kind of sad or kind of mm-hmm. hungry or like, yeah. like whenever you need some of those basic human needs, sometimes you actually force out some creativity. I don't, I don't know if that's just a trope of like the starving pained artist kind of thing or what, but <laughs> it's true. You can't really get some of that stuff done if you have a full stomach and a good night's sleep or a, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. something. And when that inspiration hits, sometimes it, it's out of nowhere and you've got to do it right then. It's just like, you know, the the whole world disappears. I like being alone and maybe being cold and hungry and kind of sad for a little bit. And it, I can just kind of, you know, knock some stuff out and then, yeah, you, you can go take care of those needs. Yeah. I have a question for you. When did you um, get into writing or what made you get into writing? So I really wanted to be a musician first. That was definitely my calling. And it really hit me in my teens when I started really getting into music, like figuring out music on my own and and really through my best friend who got me into like, hey, he started learning guitar and it started inspiring me to learn guitar. And, you know, we were like really into the same music and everything. And I was like, man, I really want to do this. Oh, I want to catch up to your, you know, playing ability. You play guitar. So I can do vocals. Maybe I'll be a front man. Maybe I'll, and you know, my dad was a bass player. Maybe I'll pick up bass. Uh, you know, I already know how to play piano, so I can translate it over to that. So I really was focused on that. And then the idea of me being like, I didn't know anybody who was like a vocalist or a lyricist. So I kind of started that on my own. And I just started kind of writing lyrics and stuff. And, you know, they were probably garbage originally. But then I had an English teacher who really inspired me. Uh, she, whenever we had like, exercises in class to do certain things um you know she was like oh we're gonna write a shakespearean sonnet or a spencerian sonnet or something like that and i would always be able to like i would just ace all these kind of little things and then um you know she one once jokingly told me she's like she's like you speak in iambic pentameter and i was like oh that's kind of funny and um I even jokingly told her back i was like oh i speak in iambic pentameter that sentence is in iambic pentameter want to get too nerdy there but you know it's just the fact that it was just this random english teacher who wasn't like a permanent fixture i only had her for like a year like one year two semesters or whatever but um she kind of encouraged me and was just like hey keep doing what you're doing and uh as i like kind of graduated high school it turned from i was doing music more and more i was in bands i was doing stuff and I had more idle time because I had a lot of time where I was sitting around and doing stuff like that. You know, it was early college. Um, I was a history major, so I was writing for history, like as in professional writing. And so my vocabulary obviously was expanding because I had, was being a lyricist and I was being a history major. So like, um, so studying vocabulary wasn't a problem at all. Being creative and then I guess mixing the two, being someone who could be a long-winded, tell a story through history because that's what kind of writing history is. It's kind of telling a story because, you know, history sounds boring on the surface when you're being taught it in school. But when you see like real historians write, like they are artists. I mean, they tell a story through real events. And um, yeah, just doing that, but then taking it to a fictional world was kind of a easy one-to-one for me just crossing over. I've been like, okay, well I can write eloquently based on, you know, real events, telling a real story that happened. 
I can write lyrics about something that I feel emotionally. Why can't I just combine these two and tell a real story that's my story emotionally and then make it a fictional world? Very, uh, you know, almost Tolkien-esque because, you know, that's kind of how Tolkien took his real life experiences and just made a fantasy world over it. Yeah, he translated like, like uh, the Green Knight. He translated mm. that. There's a translation which I really. That's really. Uh, there's this. Um, I have a favorite band, uh, Coheed and Cambria, and their mm. mute their lyrics, are based on singers' comics. Like it tells the story of comics, and um, it's it's really cool because he is position it's like you writer just in instead of like novel or maybe he has an all version he probably does i just don't know um but that's really what about you seth in terms of um what when did you first start getting into writing oh uh it well uh i've always liked cinema to a ridiculous degree i think it's like uh, maybe not the like most important uh, medium in art, but like a very important medium because when it's done right, you're surrounded by um, audio uh, workings that can, on their own, transport you to another place. You have a story, and then that story. I mean, you can have the same story and have it directed two different ways, and it can mean something very radically different to you. Um, it's a very efficient way of of in like let's just say it i like long movies i like like you know two and a half hour three hour movies i love those um i can i love slow burns i could just sit there and just be engulfed forever um but let's just say like a traditional you know hour and a half movie it, it is such an efficient form of transmuting like an idea uh or or um, several ideas to a large group of people it, it's just an efficient way of communicating ideas and hopes dreams this that and the other There's so many different things it, it's just a really cool medium and so i've I've always loved those and then i've always wanted to make videos and movies and stuff and so this this was all brewing as a movie and then at some point i realized this has to be a book first like it there has to be a foundation of like a short novel or a book first before i can ever do uh do like a full-on movie shoot of it so so it, it 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 turned into a function for the cinematic aspect but then when i got into it i really enjoyed the craft of it and it's really weird i do photography i do videography and in in the modern day there's all this ai seeping into stuff um I really take pride in my like photographs and stuff, but um, um, for whatever reason, I've I've talked about this before. Whatever reason, AI doesn't threaten the visual aspect. Even though I do old school, like all the effects on like my Instagram page are all in camera. There's no, uh, there's no effects added or filters added after the fact. It's it is in camera effects. And that is such a fun thing to do um, as a as a craft, um, but for whatever reason, um, image AI manipulation and 
location doesn't threaten me at all. It's just fun and interesting that that exists. But but something that I don't like identify as like a writer for whatever reason um written out like chat gpt that for whatever reason th- i have this fear of it i don't want that anywhere near uh the writing process because and i don't know what why cuz i i love video and photo but i don't mind uh using ai tools or watching someone else you use ai tools i think that's a very interesting tool as long as it's used right the what i what really freaks me out is the idea of letting uh an algorithm ai whatever help me write that is a terrifying aspect so i don't allow any ai anywhere near my writing craft and i think it's because the what you were talking about that deep satisfaction after working on something it's like a mind puzzle it's like this long mind puzzle and and mental effort it's like a workout for your mind it's like going to the gym for your mind um and so what for whatever reason the I, idea of something supplementing or making that easier i don't like that idea so i ai is nowhere near my writing process um and it, like to a phobic degree but i think it's because because it requires so much mental effort i don't want any coddling there um um so i don't know i I've, I've i've thought about that it's, it's just an interesting thing um but yeah but but the but the but the it, it it turned into a love of writing because i i had an objective i had i was like i have to make this into a book first and then i just and then i just started liking writing to answer your question nice. I- and to a degree that's um i think a better way to tackle it honestly um especially early on this is not trivializing the ability to write a novel but writing a novel and you want to get ideas out sometimes seems i don't want to say easier but more cohesive in a certain run than doing a screenplay doing a screenplay is extremely complicated and if you approach a story you want to tell by saying oh i want to write a screenplay i mean there are people obviously who are strictly you know, that's all they want to do is write a screenplay and try to sell it and everything like that. And that's fine. But if you're selling a pilot that's 30 minutes, you know, how many pages is that really? If you think about it, you know, there's mm-hmm. only two minutes on screen time per page or something like that. Um, just think about eight seasons of Game of Thrones is covering, you know, well, four written books and or five written books and two unwritten books. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, if you're writing a screenplay, yeah, I mean, if you're, just think about one episode or one season, 10 episodes of that. I mean, like, how much writing goes into doing the screenplay version of that versus look at the novels themselves. It's, you know, it's just so much in depth and so much there. And I don't know, like, you would think writing a screenplay would be easier, but I almost find it more challenging to try to break up your story and leave subtleties and leave you know, hidden layers up to actors and, and mannerisms versus actually being able to write out certain things and what a narrator's thinking and um, and then leave some of that stuff out on purpose for the mystery. Like you were saying, like there's certain things you want to leave out of your story because you want to leave some speculation. You want to leave people finishing something and then still wanting to ask questions about it. 
or you know i mean if if you can write something and people still want to talk about it then you've done right i think so that's another big thing hmm. yes yeah, do you find it challenging to like write a screenplay or or, or... I, I i understand the format of screenplay um uh uh, I had some buddies I used to uh, do that with. Um, I think, it, like, if I'm remembering this correctly, you're talking about, like, fade in, uh, you know, fast footsteps approach, and, and then and then we see that. I, I mean, that's that's good for, I mean, I guess I could. I think the, it's also the way I, I make videos. Like, when I make a live shot video where it's all shot uh, through my camera, um, I don't, I have like a loose storyboard in my head. I rarely write out scenes and I'm not the greatest drawer. So I, it's a bunch of stick figures and, and scenes and stuff, but, um, I, I do that occasionally, but mostly just to get the flow of an idea out. And then, cause, I, cause if I make something on paper and, and then I, it, I have to strictly follow it. It, it what, when I shoot on the go and it's just in my head and then I shoot in order of the way I want, um, it always turns out better than strictly sticking to like, you have to be on the fly. Like maybe this angle, this angle looks great in my head, but this shot looks way better from this direction at, at, at location or whatever. So I don't really think I don't I don't really think in terms of like these hard I have the edit in my head of certain scenes, but I kind of want it to stay there until it's manifest. It's it's like the same thing where it's like I don't like to inspiration for for ideas like where where do you get inspired or whatever. Like the um I don't like if there's a story I like a little too much or some topic or whatever. I kind of try to avoid it, especially when I'm in writing mode, because I don't want it to seep in too heavily um, if I like a concept, uh, something as loose as that. So I'll, I'll intentionally um, avoid things and I'll let my brain like misremember and mangle uh, ideas that I like, like one of one inspiration I really like is finding mentally ill people on YouTube and listen to them rant about whatever. I'm serious. It's I it's, can it's it's fascinating. Like mentally ill, borderline schizo beliefs and like how they go through confirming their beliefs or just hearing them rant or like weird religious sex or whatever. It uh. He, just hearing people rattle on about these extremely bizarre things they believe uh, is really fascinating. It's it's another reason I, I, mean, I like conspiracy theories. I like, um, but I like to kind of absorb that all in like moments or time frames, and then let a lot of time pass to where um, it just kind of gets misremembered and mangled up in my brain, and then and then um, not really come at it like I'm writing that idea down verbatim but but it, oh that would be a cool way of describing this aspect in the story and then i can kind of hash it hash kind of some of that idea out and then refine it later um but even even i do that visually too i'll see something out of the corner of my eye like i, I was watching a years ago like a christmas movie and there was a title card that the um the image was incredible incredible to me in fact i saw it my 
bedroom door crack at an angle. And I was like, I really like that intro card, that logo so much. And then I stopped myself and I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just gonna, and, and uh, like a year and a half rolled by and I, uh, I've, I, I had the image of what it was in my head, but I refused to go and rewind it and see the actual image because I wanted to misremember it. And I came up with a, uh, out of misremembering and everything, I came up with a, it's in, but I came up with a cool title card, my videos just from that process. So I like, I like that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, storyboards and 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 the the way of doing a like specifically writing uh, a a, a story. What do you what do you call it? I've, I've this a story uh, screenplay. Screenplay. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I I I, I kind of like I kind of like just if I had the book done and it was in my hands and I had it in my back pocket while I directed a scene, I would actually prefer that than than writing it out in a certain. Because I plan to write it, I pl plan to shoot everything myself. I don't want anyone else touching it. Um, I was gonna ask my next question. Would you either, uh, Clark? You for would you be or have you ever used a like post reader or have someone help editing or at least have somebody look already written or do you keep it um, all to your? You know, you just. It's just you doing all that, and then you just release or you put it out there. Uh, I pretty much keep everything to myself. I have had some people um, look over. I, I have another fellow author locally who um, who I trust who's looked over some stuff. We have, you know, I've never really been like, "Hey, what's your actual feedback?" I mean, you want the honest feedback, you know, you want the kind of brutal criticism just so you can fix stuff, but. Um, at the same time, I, I do play it pretty close to the chest. I just kind of keep stuff to myself largely. I'll rarely share it with anybody. Um, uh, that's, I mean, that's basically it. Now, when it comes to certain things in other, like, facets of writing, like when I've done online freelance writing, then there is actually, like, workshops. There's, on, you know, where it's like, hey, here's the rough draft send it out there, anybody, you know, and then you've got, basically you've got the head editors and then you've got basically the workshop people who are sanctioned to be there. So I, I, you know, you kind of respect their opinion. It's not like they're there. They're just, it's not like Reddit or something like that where anybody can just, you know, come in and say what it is. So, um, so, you know, that's, that's for like article writing and things like that for different magazines or, you know, publications and stuff like that. So in that case, yeah, absolutely. Put it out there in its raw form and just say, hey, here it is, unedited. Take a look at it. This is where it's going. Anybody have any ideas? Am I or am I completely off track? So in that case, yeah, it's but that's also <clears throat> once again, that's not to me a passion project as much as it is a a fun exercise that I just happen to get paid for. There you go. Hmm. And Seth, I think I know the answer have you ever had reader or someone text no i have looked into um uh someone just going over something grammatically and you know spelling and stuff but then i was like 
I have spell correct and I have, you know, grammar check software that can just, I can just do it all myself. And the other problem I have is I have a very specific way. I, the, 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 um, the speaker in the book, it speaks. I have a, I have a it's a really specific way of talking and I don't want to really adulterate that. And so I don't know, it's just easier for me to do it myself. And it's not like it's a 500 page book. So it's it, I can just do it myself. Okay. And hi, Ru. Welcome. Uh, do you have, are you a writer? Do you have any thoughts on how to approach writing or how writing hello hello um and it's morning in my part of the world so i may sound a little drowsy um uh, no i am not a writer but i am a voracious reader but all i know about writing is um four steps i'm sure there might be some shorthand notes then the actual drafting then probably the revising and then the editing but i was just um, hearing what seth had to say you know about the writing process going through the editor and i completely agree with the emerging technology and if you're writing a very short book or a you know a, um just a um I'm not getting the word, but anyway, <laughs> not uh, you know anything less. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, anything less than 500 with the emerging technology and the spell checks, and you have the uh, you have Grammarly and whatnot. Um, I think using uh, an actual editor go through your writing is redundant at this point. Um, so yeah. I'm happy to hear your thoughts, though. <laughs> I am also not, uh, I opened with, I am also not a writer. I've always struggled with it. My thing is more, was art, like traditional, just drawing. I doodled a lot of anime. It, it was a lot of anime. And yeah, I'm trying to go away from that now, um, my 30s. But uh, anime really inspired me a lot. It still does. I appreciate that a lot, um, but I want to branch out to other things uh, like realism, things like that, and just coming up with my own style. Um, so, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got the word. The word I was looking for was articles. Articles. Oh, yeah. You write articles. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, you're fine. And um, I write emails a lot, and also my job has, uh, we have response templates uh, through the software that we use that um, mm -hmm. my colleague had uh, come up with. Um, and so, but you can add to them freeform. So I've had to learn, I've done like, it's not, it's it's obviously like corporate email kind of stuff, but it's, it's helped me. Just kind of structure what I'm trying to put out there, like get my thoughts out. I'm much more right. like uh, visual. Um, I and uh, also like you know I can show you something or I can just explain it to you, but I just can't get it on paper. And I've had to write um, all the uh, knowledge articles in my job, um, or mm -hmm. uh, just documentation on mm -hmm. training materials. Uh, and that's also helped me. So, 
that that's as much yeah. writing as I've done. Uh, yeah, no, I agree work. because yeah, no, I'm even sorry. I agree because writing emails versus actually writing a process document are two different things because uh, email writing has its own um, language. Like you cannot be um, informal and it has to be read in a particular way. You cannot write it as you speak. Whereas I think you can take that leeway when you are writing up the process document. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And like uh, with those process documents, you know, uh, including screenshots and explaining like process. Um, and that's mm -hmm. helped me some, but I don't know if I would ever be able to sit down and write a novel. Um, so I think it's impressive mm -hmm. or a novel or a book series. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, I had some more questions, but I can't remember that. Oh, I want to know Clark's book is going to be published. <laughs> I like a good mystery. <clears throat> Which one? Because <laughs> um, this is my terrible thing. Uh, my terrible thing is that I have, uh, I started one got about 40,000 words deep in it and then decided all of a sudden I had this brilliant idea that I needed to put on paper immediately. So I set that one aside and started an entirely new one. And that's the one I we talked about that I've mentioned on the podcast here about the human genome and everything. Yeah, I was going to use one word, genetic. Is that the one that you st started or or the one that's already 40,000? That is the one that I started to put, I had put the other one on pause for. And that How is the one that, you into it? Why, well, that is why I brought up the whole idea of screenplay is because I started that one with the idea of, well, let's see if I can write as a screenplay. And then I said, no, 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 we got to, let's just write this out as a novel and then I'll, I'll break it up in chunks and, and do, you know, director's notes from there. Uh, mm -hmm. So that one is, I don't have a word count on it at the moment. It's, um, a few chapters in is the best I could say, probably. Um, okay. But I'm also very meticulous, so it's not a whole lot of, like I said, I'm terrible about being that kind of writer that says just pound it out and then go back and edit it later. Like I, I will write it and then really refine it. And then if something comes up later continuity wise where I have to go back and change something, like I'll unscramble that, you know, mess later or untangle that web. Uh, but I try to, I try to get as refined as possible as I go through it. I want as little backtracking as I can. Okay. And so besides, um, deprivation of like, uh, nicotine or things like that, is there any kind of writing, pre-writing rituals that, or anything like that? Or, um, oh yeah. I want to hear Clark's pre-writing rituals. Yeah. What are your like pre-writing? Like, what do you do to get prepared? For, like, just what prepares you to sit down and just writing? What do you do? Um, I've changed a little as I've aged. I used to be very into the whole get up, go to my college campus well before I had any of my classes or anything that I had to, you know, any obligations. Some it, sometimes it'd be days I didn't have any classes at all. And I like to sit in like the rotunda and plant myself and do that because just the, I don't know, the energy of human beings walking around and just moving the classes coming in and out and just being in the common space, like, and just every now and then looking up from the screen and, you know, I'm a very visual 
like person as it is already like on drawing kind of inspiration and stuff like that so i might i might catch someone walking by and just see like oh what's that person wearing or oh they have a cool tattoo i can see this barely showing out of a sleeve or something you know something like anything like that can be like you know just bam and then it's in the novel now it's like it's it's canon it's like oh well that's it's a little detail but you know, little details make a, a, a huge difference because people want that. They want that visual picture put in their brain. So that's what you're writing. So, you know, a little detail like that, like, you know, I saw the slight feint of a feather, like, you know, uh, you know, creeping out from under their sleeve kind of thing. Like, you know, it, then that detail, now you know, oh, what if that comes back later in the story for some reason that that person has a tattoo? Maybe, you know, maybe you get to see what the actual rest of the tattoo is later. Or maybe it doesn't mean anything at all. It doesn't matter. It's just a it's a detail. So like I would sometimes just look up and take note of what was around me. Um, so sometimes that was how I would just post up. Um, in other times, like I said, if I was particularly isolated or just wanted to be, it's just sitting in your own kind of office room, whatever your setup is. And I mean, just kind of, I hate to say forcing it out, but like sometimes I wake up in that mindset, like I have a bad dream or I have, you know, or, or too real of a dream. Those are the big ones for me. I don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad dream, but I can have very, very vivid, realistic dreams. And I wake up and even if it has nothing to do with my novel, it can already have unlocked that creative part of your brain. Cause you've got the curiosity going, you have like a, a longing, you have this wanting feeling. You're like, I don't know what that dream meant, or maybe it meant something really cool. And you wanted to go back into that dream. And now you're, you know, like I said, the longing feeling, you're like, you know, you have this bittersweet feeling that you're no longer in that dream. And all of a sudden you have these emotions now that you can't, you can't cure. There's no cure for that emotion because you're no longer in the dream. You just got snapped out of it. Now in reality, flip the laptop open and now you, you're pouring it onto paper. So, I mean, it really depends on your mindset. If you're going in, like, like you said about, you know, Seth said about Tarantino, treating as a job and clocking in some days it is some days it's just clocking in and doing the work and just putting some words on paper and taking in your surroundings. And then some days it's all feeling, it's all emotion and you can't plan it. You don't know when you're going to stop. You don't know when you're clocking out quote unquote, you're just gonna, you know, let the feeling run out. And then I guess when that candle burns out, you're done, close the laptop and, you know, go about your day. Hopefully you, when you, you know, when, Go ahead. when you were no, when you were saying um, about uh, your dreams, um, the when you kind of like cord or like jot down ideas from dreams, do you do you write? Is that your main method? You're getting up, or are you saying that just it gets you in that mindset, or do you try to get grasp some details, events in your dream? I, I will grasp details. I'm very lucky to actually remember my dreams pretty well. Mm -hmm. And like I said, have very, very vivid, like uh, tactile dreams that I almost feel like I'm there. Uh, so that helps with the creative process. Sometimes I'll have a dream that inspires another idea where I'm like, oh, let me, you know, I have to roll over right now and pull out a notebook and write this down so I don't forget it because, you know, it's three or four in the morning or whatever. Uh, and maybe I'll use that for something later. Or sometimes, like I said, if it wakes you up and it's closer to actually 
you know, a time that's reasonable to get up as a human being and I don't have anything to do that day, particularly if it's a weekend or something, then I will actually, uh, I will just get up. And while the emotion is there, I'll start writing the story that I'm already working on. But now I have this like invigoration, you know, about me because now I have like all these emotions running through my head, trying to make sense of what I just felt, what I just saw, you know, and I can translate those emotions into actually what I'm writing. Okay. Do you, um, like my problem is I can't, I can't fast enough to, to do anything that way or write fast enough. Um, I've, I've gotten up and just, I've started recording like audio memos of, of all the events in the dream. And I can't really remember. I have, you're, I'm really jealous of your ability to, to dream as detailed as you can. Um, I started having more, vivid dreams that I remember after uh, the low dose now trek sound. It will, it will make you dream crazy dreams, especially if you take it right before bed. Um, but yeah, I'm jealous of that. I've only known a few people that talk about how they can interact with their dreams and remember stuff so vividly. That's such a crazy skill set. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also blows my mind the people that don't like I have, I mean, I have an extremely, like I said, I won't say I'm an eidetic memory because true eidetics are almost non-existent. I think there's like been one in recorded history ever, but that's what does that mean? Just, it's someone who remembers everything they see. So like every detail, oh. so like if tomorrow we were talking and I can be like, oh, Seth was wearing a white, you know, a white shirt with this emblem and everything on it. Like, you know, you just remember, like I can be like, oh, I remember I can tell my girlfriend, I remember what we were wearing on our first date, you know, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. Things like that, you know, people who remember every little detail or of everything basically on their lives and uh, things like true eidetics, they say, can remember like the time, date, everything like that. You can ask them anything like, but uh, I just have a very vivid memory where I just like imprint a lot of details really fast. Like I take in a lot of information quick. So that's why I'm able to remember my dreams, I think, like so vividly. And I get lucid very easily also. I've actually tried the whole... um I don't even ever told you about the whole, I don't want to get off topic of writing, but the, you know how they have the thing where they say, if you're in your dream and you realize you're lucid, don't ask anybody what day it is or what time it is. No. Is it like, Oh, you've never heard that. Uh-uh. Yeah. We need a whole, I uh, we can't really do a whole episode on that, but it's, it's basically a thing where the people, I don't know, it's going around where it's just like, Oh, if you're ever in a dream and you you're lucid, whatever you do, like don't ask somebody, like what time it is or what can you tell me what day it is or what time it is because it'll like fuck up the dream like it's it, you're oh. like on the other like you're dreaming you're on the other side of the veil so if you if the people realize that you know you're on the other side that you're dreaming it like messes with them so weird so I, I, like i've tested inception that stuff <laughs> yeah i've tested that one out they've, before they've, and it was <laughs> they've noticed you yeah I've, I've had one a dream that one or two dreams that have made me feel really inspired and that I had some idea and then I'm a, the last one I had I'm too embarrassed to say what it is because but it was so cool in my dream and I remember well like not every detail so that's uh cool that you get up and try to jot it down like yeah, Ro, do you record your dreams? Document them? Oh, good God, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
same i don't there's a lot of dumb dreams i had a really stupid dream last night and it had to do with getting the worst tattoo ever and i was so un i was so upset in my dream and i woke up and i was like oh thank god it wasn't real like because it felt so real <laughs> see all this annoys me because that old thing where they always say there's nothing new under the sun anything that's been thought of has already been thought of and blah 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 but like if you do weird practices to where you're intentionally misremembering or mangling uh, ideas or um jotting down dreams or whatever it's like well who came up with the i don't know the this particular idea who was the first that did this i'm 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 convinced that new ideas that human uh, human has never heard of can be done i'm not saying it's easy i think that it would be extremely hard but i think that there can be new concepts or ideas that could blow someone away um and it not be like something that we've heard in like every i don't know greek story or whatever i i i think that there is some way of doing that um but i don't know what it is i'm just trying to do every weird thing possible to get some weird idea out of um, that, that yeah, what is up something um this will be my i guess last proposal question before i need to jump off and retire for the evening but uh where do you draw the line on a conceit an idea that you're gonna force you're gonna like take so far or you gotta make it work if that makes any sense it's almost going back to what meg and i were talking about before we started recording about like anime and certain things i can't like certain things I couldn't wrap my mind around. I'm like, I just, I can't for, I can't suspend my disbelief enough. Like it messes with me like to do that. Like, like what's like, what would you find like that line to be where it's like, is, is, is no idea off limits or is there like a hard limit where you're just like, okay, I can't, I can't suspend my disbelief anymore. Like you mean <laughs> I in terms like an, like an idea for a story. Yeah, like someone like okay, someone like Stephen King. I think Stephen King has is very good about forcing ideas that are preposterous, but he he does it so well, and he keeps yeah. shoving it down your throat until you're like, okay, this is the world we live in, and then you just start to yeah. believe it. No, I I absolutely think that you can push something. I think that, I mean, what I did initially in a lot of the early drafts of the story is any just out of bounds idea it would be written down and put in it now there's been like a filtering process through all the drafts but i mean there's a rotating air conditioner around earth in my story that's orbiting earth so um and but the other thing is i like how preposterous it is um but at the same time it's like integral to some stuff in there so I don't know. I, th I I didn't know that about Stephen King. I mean, I know that in, in a lot of the stories, there's like this really strange angle. I mean, you've got uh, walking uh, bush sculptures and stuff, but uh, I, I don't know. What, I mean, do you think that that's do you, I mean, do you think that it, it just has to be done right or? Yeah, I think it does. Honestly, actually, I'll, I'll bring up another author, uh, Jason Pargin. Um, he used to go under the pen name David Wong. Uh, his like, he has a bunch of cosmic horror novels, and I, I I've read all his stuff, even his sci-fi stuff too. He has a series of sci-fi books and cosmic horror novels. But same thing there. It's like sometimes it's so ridiculous. Like I have to reset my brain on like what is sci-fi because you forget that 
something alien to us literally would be alien. It wouldn't be anything that we can picture. It would be something, you know, like almost also Rick and Morty kind of stuff where it's just like yeah. a farting gas cloud is like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the, 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 that would be an alien. It doesn't have to be something, yeah. you know, corporeal that you can touch. Its only purpose <laughs> is to spread butter. Yeah, it's like just conceits that are so crazy. But yeah, Jason Pargin, uh, shout out to him if he's ever listens to our podcast. Okay, question. Did, is, did he, so you said that he had a pen name. Uh, did he write a story about um, hyper-evolved vampires that uh, humans misinterpreted the crucifix and write a, like uh, Euclidean geometry? But the thing was, is when this thing was developing, there was no hard angles. And so it would short cir circuit its like frontal lobe. Is that ring a bell? <laughs> Not from any of the ones I'm thinking of, no. Wild. Um, is there a vampire on a spaceship at any point? No, no, no. No <laughs> space. It's more of multi-dimensional um, multi horror. There is a uh, there's an author I'm thinking of, and it sounds oddly familiar. And um, Neil Blomkamp, I, f I found out about him through Neil Blomkamp, an interview with him. And um, there is this there is this story that was written, and the the there are uh, vampires that have or what we would call a vampire that have existed way before us, and when they were when the, they're they're main time of brain development through generationally um they lived in nature and and there there certain types of angles so but they go into hibernation for extremely long periods of time like generations of humans pass on before they even awake when they do awake in this one iteration um all of a sudden humans have towns going on going on the, the, their previous cattle so humans have built towns and and town squares and and all of this and um it starts to go into one and attacks and there there uh, it it starts having seizures um when it sees like hard angles uh that 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 man is responsible for so so the villagers uh, misinterpret what's going on with it as it is allergic to the crucifix. So that's how like the crucifix, you know, lore of vampires not being able to stand it, their predecessors, the way they evolved their, 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 their vision, the way their visual cortex developed, they literally uh, couldn't process hard right angles like we would. And so they would just seize out and, and go into convulsions. So the, the villagers, they, they, all this lore started to be built up around that. Um, but anyway, the, the, the name you said, I, I could have sworn he wrote that, but maybe I'm wrong.